Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to foresightchurch.co.za. Thank you, Bad. So lovely to see you all on this wonderful summer day. If you're visiting with us this morning, a special welcome to you. My name's Chris, and it's my privilege to be able to preach to you this morning and to lead you into something of what God has got for us. I'm excited. I've got a feeling that darkness won't last very long. Jesus is coming, and he's coming with a, bla- a face blazing like the sun, and he's going to sort things out proper. And so uh, we're excited to be part of the kingdom come. We are, we are part of whatever Jesus is doing into our future. We're part of the solution to the world. We're part of all of that and more. All right, so let's pray. Father, I pray that your word would have entrance this morning, that you would open up your word, that you'd speak your word by your spirit into the deepest crevices of our hearts and minds and souls, to those places that are generally, ordinarily cut off from your spirit. We pray for lordship in every area of our lives, that there would be a revelation of your word this morning, penetration of truth to break every lie, penetration of light to break every darkness. In Jesus' name, we give you glory and honor and praise. You're amazing. We love you, Lord, forever and ever. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about breaking a victim mentality, and that's got something to do with where we are and what we're studying at the moment in terms of kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of Christ, kingdom of Babylon. I won't be too long this morning. There is something quite amazing I'd like to share with you. Now, one of the things that just blew my mind recently was a realization that people prefer to be deceived. People like lies. They like being lied to. They like being strung along, and they they like it when people think for them. Uh, Here's an illustration. True story. A mate of mine in Zimbabwe, Chris Mags, he shares a good name with somebody else that I know. He's a really nice guy. But, But Chris Mags has... He's a, he owns a nursery, and he grows wholesale as, as well as retail um, plants, and he's got the specific niche. He has a habit of winning orchid shows. So his orchids show all over the world, and um, some of his orchids, no jokes, would not fit on the back of my bucky. Some of them are like 30 years old, and when they flower, when they bloom, that whole cluster, bunch, plant, whatever it is, just comes alive like a constellation of stars. It is beautiful. Now, he's got his, his whole yard is filled with orchids. He's various orchids. And when he goes and he cleans up prices like he does wherever he goes, then people want to know what his secret is. And so he tells them. He says... Take pot plant mixture, whatever you feed your pot plants, and feed your orchids. He says, Chris, you won't believe me. 
people don't, they don't want that. They want a formula. They want a secret. He says, so, he says, you have to forgive me, but this is what I do. I take my regular pot plant mixture and I decant it into little bottles and I put the Mr. Chris's secret magic whatever <laughs> description you want to put on it, orchid food. And people eat it up. They love it. But they won't believe me that it's simple. How true is that of your spiritual life? The gospel is simple. Grace is easy. Your spiritual life is planned and purposed by God and He initiates. It's not rocket science. Monkeys like me and you can easily understand the secrets to the kingdom. The problem is we like to think it's complicated. We like to think there's something more to it that we need to add to what Jesus has already done. That's called religion. And all the time we want to feel shameful, pitiful, sad, sorrowful. We want to be lied to. And the second revelation is people want to feel like victims. They want to feel as if they are owned or controlled or manipulated by a system, a mindset, a higher authority, a government, a, a, a political order. People want to feel like victims. And so if you tell them lies and you tell them that they're victims, people eat it up and they come into line with whatever agenda is out there and they tow the, tow the road, tow the line get strung along. People like that. They love it. People want to be told what to do. They want control. They want somebody bailing them out of situations, and they want, they want freebie handouts because if I'm a victim, I'm entitled to whoever is the overlord giving me free stuff. You know, Jesus has come to set us free from rubbish like that. He's come to help us think for ourselves. Do you know the first time you can think for yourself, the first time the light dawns for you is when you get saved. Jesus said to Nicodemus, a, a Pharisee, a, a teacher of the law, he was the chief priest of the, the day. Jesus said to him, don't you know that unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God? Jesus said to him, it's that simple. When you're born again, for the first time, you can think for yourself. So having a theological debate with someone who is unsaved is futile and is waste, a massive waste of time. What they need is they need the light to come on. And sadly, John chapter 1 says, people loved the darkness because their deeds were evil. They preferred to walk in ignorance. People want to walk like that. Do you want to walk like that? No. Do you? 
Thank you for the three people who don't want to walk in ignorance. You may be in the wrong place, everybody else. Because we're going to speak about how to walk in the truth and how to walk in the, the light of God. Turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to read a portion of Scripture which I think, if you truly want to know the starter pack for Christianity and for your walk with Christ, the starter pack is the book of John. John takes excessively difficult concepts and makes them really easy to understand. Very, very simple. I like John because he seemed to be one of the apostles who had an incredibly strong relationship with Jesus, a powerful relationship with Jesus, a, a, a relationship to be envied. And, and so he, I think, gets some of his wisdom straight out of the heart of Christ. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's the logos. He's actually saying that God's rational, um, logical, spoken word was this person called Jesus. So when God spoke in the beginning and said, let there be light, he, he sent Jesus out to activate the light in the universe. That's what he did. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Jesus made everything. Do you get that? Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2 actually says that in Christ, all things hold together. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. It's amazing. For the physics people around here, you might enjoy this, but if you talk about quantum physics, you're talking about the fundamental building blocks of the universe, probably in terms of string theory, are harmonious oscillations of sound that are called strings. All matter exists from sound. How do we know that? Well, John chapter 1 tells us that. How do we know that further? Well, ask any quantum physician. He'll be able to tell you exactly how it works. Sound is what, hold all, what holds all matter together. Jesus is the spoken word, and he's still speaking even now. How do we know? Well, babies are being born every minute. Jesus is still speaking his word. He is the spoken word, and he continues to speak because without him, nothing was made that has been made. You were made by God's spoken word. There was a time when you were proclaimed. Your name, your existence was spoken in heaven. And there it happened. You came to life. Amazing, eh? In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Some translations say, say the darkness has not been able to overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. All men might believe. All, all men might believe. Friends, the gospel is for everybody. It's not just for the chosen. It's not for the chosen frozen. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Who's the light? Jesus. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. There again it is to every man, to every person, to every man, woman, and child. God wants to save everybody. 
He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Isn't that amazing? He made us, he made all people, and yet many don't want to even recognize the fact that they're dependent on Jesus. It's simple, hey? He, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Why? Because of two things. People want to be lied to. They love the lies. And people love to feel like victims. Yet, to all who received him, that's you. Did you receive Jesus? All right, so to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right or the power or the authority, the exousia, to become children of God. He's given you the authority to be called a son of God, a daughter of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Your salvation was declared by God. The day you were made, I said that, you were formed, God spoke it. The day you were born again, God spoke it. Not by a husband's decision or a mother's decision, but of God. God chose you, and he decided, and then... Mostly people decide against that because they like believing lies and they want to stay victims. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's the incarnated Christ. Now we're coming, to, coming up to Christmas, right? And so as we come up to, to Christmas, I know there's a lot of people who don't understand Christmas and some people who don't like Christmas and some people who for some, some theological persuasions don't like Christmas. Christmas, once again, I, I told you, this is for monkeys. This is very simple. Ecclesiastes says, God made man simple, man made man complicated. All right, we like to complicate things because the truth sometimes is just too easy. Jesus became flesh in the form of a human being and dwelt among us. That's the simplicity of it, just plain simple. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Get this, full of grace and truth. Now, I want you to write down or underline that, full of grace and truth. Actually, it says abounding in grace and truth, but anyway. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Get this, verse 16, from the fullness, from once again the abundance of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What does the law do? The law does two things. The law allows you to believe a lie or to live a lie, and the law makes you a victim. Two things that the law does. Why does the law keep you in bondage? Well, because first of all, Religion tells you you can save yourself. And so if you obey a set of rules or a set of laws, you are an ascended being. You're better off than other people around you. And you could probably bump the person next to you because you probably thought that about them already. I'm better than you. Or I'm worse than you. doesn't matter. The law does the same thing. 
It either makes you feel superior or it makes you feel inferior. Because I can either keep the law and I'm really good at it or I suck at keeping the law and I'm really bad at it. Because if I break one law, I've broken them all. See, see, the law comes through Moses and makes us two things. It makes us slaves to lies and to self-deception because that's what we're good at. We love deceiving ourselves. And the second thing it does is it makes us a victim of a religious system which we didn't choose. It chose us and we have to live by a set of laws. And so every single person who is stuck in religion feels one of two things. You feel that you are a hypocrite and cannot live up to God's righteous requirements. Or number two, you feel that you are a victim of laws that are bigger than you and you can't keep them. You can't possibly keep them. And so because of that, Jesus, the word of truth, Jesus full of grace and truth, Jesus, you see, grace empowers you to not be a victim. Grace is God's strength. Grace is God's power. Uh, the acronym is God's riches at Christ's expense. Everything he was, he gave to you, and everything you are, he took upon himself. All your sin, all your sickness, all your suffering, he took upon himself and nailed it to the cross. It's called the great exchange. And everything that Jesus is, righteousness, holiness, peace, joy, happiness, salvation, healing, authority, dominion, everything that he is, he downloaded to you, the great exchange. If you didn't sign up for that deal, you got shortchanged. That's what salvation is. Salvation is, he became a man, I became a child of God. To all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he has given the right and the authority to be called a son of God. Jesus became called the son of man. We became called the sons of God. Is the lot going on? Lot's going on. It's not complicated, guys. If, if right now you're saying it's too good to be true, that's the gospel. It's too good to be true. It's too simple. It's just too simple. And that's why many people don't understand, because it's just too simple. Why? Because you want to be lied to, and you want to feel powerless and a victim of God's sovereign decision somewhere out there. God is watching us from a distance, right? No, he isn't. Emmanuel, God with us, he came to be with us. Because we can't get to heaven on our own, he came to be with us on earth and to make a way for us to the Father. So the remote God in the sky thing, it's a bunch of rubbish. Jesus came to bring the Father to us and us to the Father. Okay. Now I know this is very, very simple, but when you get this, it's going to revolutionize the way you deal with your relationship with God. It's not hard. It's not hard. From the fullness of his grace, we'll get there just now. We have all received, all of us, one blessing after another. The actual translation I had look at it says this, from his overflowing, the interlinear, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. In other words, there is a level of grace, but on top of that, there's even more grace. And so God covers 
he, our, our sin with his grace, and then above that, he covers that grace with another layer of grace. We've received grace upon, we've received exponentially growing grace. How, from what? From his abundant provision, which means it never runs out. Never runs out. And so from his overflowing, if God is filled with grace, so much that he oozes grace, because it's who he is, out of that supply, you're never going to run out of grace. We've all received grace, and on top of that grace, we've received more grace. Because one dollop of grace is not enough. We just need more and more and more. Why? Because God can't help himself. He is gracious. How do we know that? Well, when God gave the law, he passed by Moses. And Moses says, God, I want to see your face. God says, you can't see my face, but I'll let you see behind me. And, and he hid him in a cleft of a rock. And as God went by, God called out his name. He said, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, full of mercy and abounding in love. That's how God declared himself before he gave the law. But because people need rules and guidelines because they can't self-govern, self-manage, or be led by the spirits, they like to be lied to, and they like to feel like victims, God said, okay, well then have a law. Do you know how the law happened? It happened like this. God said to Moses, Moses, lead the people up the mountain. I want to meet with them. Do you know that story? The people said to Moses, no, Moses, you go. We'll stay here. It's like, okay, you go. You come and tell us what God says, and we'll just do that. We want to be victims. We don't want to be in relationship with God. You just tell us what to do. We'll do it. You rule over us. We'll be victims. And we don't mind, even if you kind of lie to us. It's okay. We'll, we'll just, it's fine. How do we know they're like the lie? Well, Moses was gone a little bit longer than they thought, and they said, well, maybe this chap Moses has died. Let's make a golden calf and worship that instead. Amazing, eh? How do we know they're like the lie? Well, because Aaron said, well, I threw everybody's jewelry in, and out came the golden calf, he says to Moses. And that's not true, because the Bible says that, that he, he cast the gold and he fashioned it with his hand. He sculpted it out. Moses comes down, he lies to Moses. The priest of Israel says, no, we, well, we just threw it all together, and it just happened to magically come out like a golden calf. No, dude, you painstakingly carved that, you twit. We know because your liar's exposed for all eternity, coward. Exactly. People want to be victims. And then they want to be lied to. They want to live like that. They loved the darkness because their ways were evil. They loved the lie. They wanted to stay there. They want to be exposed. They want to walk in light. Don't want to be simple and plain. We want to be complicated and conniving. People are like that. People are strange creatures. Are you feeling strange this morning? Just shake your head a bit like this and just put your hands in the air, wave your hands, and maybe things will just settle in your mind a little bit. But it's actually really simple. It's really simple. So let's read it quickly. The question you've got in your mind is why do people give gifts at Christmas? Why do people give gifts? 
Now, I know there's been lots of rubbish theories about it, and a whole bunch of guys say it's got pagan roots and stuff like that. Listen, Satan knocks off everything that's legitimate. He's not creative. Satan's created Jack. All things were created by Jesus, right? Correct? So all that Satan does is he counterfeits stuff, and he corrupts the real good thing. He takes stuff, and he, you know, I, I hear people say, oh, you know, it's the, the birthday of Zeus. Now, Zeus wasn't born, so, duh. But anyway, besides that, <laughs> all days are God's days, man. Isn't that what, what uh, Colossians chapter 2.15 says? Therefore, there is no, no holy days, no Sabbaths, no new moon festivals, but all are in Christ. It's like, it, everything belongs to Jesus, right? Devil who? He's usurped and he's been a thief from the beginning. He takes what is legitimately God's and he wants to misappropriate that for it. No, listen, man. Every day is Christmas. I get that. Was Jesus born in March or April? Most probably. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The fact that the whole world at one, has picked one day to fixate on Jesus is fantastic. I like that little Bart Simpson quote. It says this. He says this. He says, Christmas is a day when atheists celebrate Jesus. It's true. Everybody in the world's eyes are focused on something that's bigger than themselves. For one day, the world shuts down. Muslims, Jews, everybody shuts down for Christmas. I love it. We don't shut down for Ramadan or anything else. But listen, it doesn't really matter. Whether he was born on that day, when he was born on another day, or no, it, it's really immaterial. You see, um, John chapter 1 verse 16 explains exactly why we give gifts on Christmas. Look at this. It says this. The interlinear. From his fullness, from his overflowing, we have all received grace upon grace. NIV says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. The message says we all live off his, listen to this. We all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses, and then this exuberant giving and receiving. You see, the gift of Jesus is a message of radical generosity. It cost the Father everything he had, his one and only begotten Son, his own image himself placed in a human body. It cost him that to bring you salvation. If that's not generosity, I don't know what is. Why do we give gifts on Christmas? Because something of the generosity of God happens to a human heart, and we break open and we love giving gifts. It's an amazing time. I think it's fantastic. It's fantastic. We love sharing in the generosity because what have we received? From the abundance of His overflow, we receive grace upon grace. What is that? The word chorus means gift upon gift. Blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace. It can be translated to the same word for which we use spiritual gifts, charisma. Same word, chorus, charisma, same word. Grace, chorus, gift, chorus. Christmas is a reminder of the generosity of the Father. For the law was given to us through Moses. But grace and truth came to us through Jesus. Grace is empowering. Mercy means we don't get what we do deserve, which is punishment. Grace means we get what we don't deserve, which is freedom. And 
authority and sonship. I'm going to repeat that. Mercy is we don't get what we do deserve, which is punishment. The wages of sin is death. That's mercy. We don't die. But grace sets us free into abundant living because grace means we get what we don't deserve. We get lavished on free gifts, free blessings. You see, mercy and grace is not the same thing. Mercy means I don't get punished. Grace means I get spoiled rotten. (laughs) Mercy means I don't get crushed. I don't have to walk in guilt and shame and sin and, and fear of being found out. Grace means I can live an exuberant, generous, radically free life of abundance. I can. Because that's been given to me. I have become a son of God. The son of man has made it possible for me to become a son of God. We've changed places. Grace and truth. Turn with me to Hebrews, and then we're going to wrap up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. You're still with me? Are you awake? Okay, wave your hand if you're awake. Okay, three hands, four hands. Okay, good. We've got some, 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 some life here today. That's good. 19. And this is where I'm going. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Friends, that's what grace does. We have confidence to come to the throne room of the Father in heaven. We're there right now. Every single one of us is in front of the throne of grace right now. The throne of the authority of the universe right now. That's where you are. You're in front of God. How? By the blood of Jesus. In other words, you didn't deserve it. Mercy says you don't go to hell. Grace says I'm in front of the throne of God. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, who is Jesus, right? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We're going to do a baptism just now. Wonderful. I find that one of the most, for me, one of the most emotional things we can do is when we baptize people. But the Bible says we have our bodies washed with pure water. We, we have access to the throne because of the, the, the blood of Jesus. Our, our conscience has been purified let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful get this let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing an action forms a habit a habit forms an addiction addiction forms your Personality, your personality forms your character, and before you know it, you are corrupt. Corruption doesn't, it starts by continual actions. You are what you repeatedly do. Okay, if you continually lie, you are a liar. It's not rocket science. If you steal, you are a thief. If you repeatedly steal, you are a kleptomaniac. Okay. So let's, let us not go, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day is that? Which day? Sunday? 
No. When Jesus comes back, all the more as you see the coming closer of Jesus, let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds and let us get together and fellowship more often, the Bible says. Find ways to encourage somebody. That's what it says. Spur one another on. Have you ever watched a cowboy movie? What are spurs? Okay, you got these little, like, things on the back of your boots, right? Like these metal, some of them look like stars, some of them are just like little sparks. But mostly in a cowboy movie, guy walks into a saloon like this, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. I know why cowboys walk like that, by the way. Just ask a horse rider. They walk like that, ka-ching, ka-ching, and it sounds like he's shaking a pocket full of change, okay? But the truth is, those things serve a purpose, and it's not intimidation in a pub. And it's not for dress up. They're called spurs. And if we are to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, it's not to rattle a bag of coins. That's not what it's there for. It is to get on a horse and kick it into gear. That's what a spur does. It's to prod the horse to get into action. So in short, this is a crisp paraphrase. Your responsibility is to get on your Christian brother and ride him like a horse until he gets his button gear. He says, consider ways to spur one another on. He could have said to encourage each other, to motivate one another, to inspire one another. He says, no, 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 no. He said, let's consider ways to kick our brothers and sisters into gear because we don't have a lot of time. Why? We're in the throne room of grace. We're receiving mercy upon mercy and grace upon grace. And we're loving this. And all all we're doing is our mates are losing out because they've forgotten how important it is to get together and to hear words like this. That you have grace upon grace. And so why? Then they want to sit at home and feel like victims. They want to. People want to. You want to sit at home. You want to feel like a victim. You want to feel like there are elements of life out of your control. You want to feel like your life is spiraling. You want to feel miserable. People are addicted to misery, I think. I think we are. People are addicted to misery, and and, and misery seeks, seeks company. So stop it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Jesus has come to set you free. You don't have to live in a lie. <laughs> you can be free. You don't have to live listening to the lies of this world that, that you're going to go down and that you're going to implode and that the economy's in shambles and uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever happens in the world is not happening in our kingdom, friends. This has got nothing to do with our kingdom got to do with the kingdoms of this world, which will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ, and He will reign forever. That's the gospel truth. That's the truth. Let's stop listening to the other truths, which are untruths. Anything that's not the real truth is a lie. So be careful. So, how do we leave here today? 
you need to have two things crystal clear in your mind. Number one, you don't have to be lied to, so stop it. Number two, you don't have to be a victim because you're not. If you are under the lies of this world, it means, number one, you've chosen that. It's a choice. You believe the truth of the gospel, you believe the lies of the world. You believe the truth of relationship with Christ or you believe the truth or the lie of religion, that you're not good enough, that you don't deserve salvation, that you don't... That you, that you are in sin and shame and fear. You're welcome to live there under that little rock all by yourself. You're welcome to live in darkness, but you don't have to, okay? The second thing is, what was the second thing? You don't have to be a victim. You're not under the control of the devil. You're not under the control of the politicians and the economy. You're not under the control of anything other than Jesus Christ, okay? We're under new management. We have the spirit of life living in us. That's the two truths you've got to go out with. And then you've got two action steps. Number one, consider, that means find ways. Consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So we're going to have an action step now. So right now, start considering how you may kick somebody else into gear. We're going to get some suggestions from your lips in a few minutes. Come with suggestions. And number two, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. The second action step you're going to do is you're going to say, how do we get one another back into fellowship and back into a place like this where we can encourage one another to keep going and keep the focus on the day of the Lord and not on the news? So action step number one, give me ideas and maybe give our fellowship ideas on how we can spur one another on. Quick ideas. You can share a testimony. Share a testimony with a friend. Do that. Do that. You got a testimony? Tell 10 people at least. Okay, good. How else do we spur people on? Love one another. Love one another. Okay, that's cool, but how do you do that? Practically. Sorry? Call somebody up. Yeah. Maybe to spur them on. Maybe to spur yourself on to call somebody up, right? Because we're bad at encouraging ourselves. True? That's true. Call somebody up. What else? Coffee all the time with people. That is the tree of life. Coffee is the tree of life. Okay, what else? What else do we do to spur one another on? Fellowships and home groups. Yeah, make sure your mates in home group get there. Make sure they get there. Keep them accountable. That spurring on is keeping people accountable, isn't it? And where were you? We, we missed you. We love you. How else do we spur one another on, Gus? Ask God for prophetic words for people. God, show me. When you're praying for people, ask God, give me a scripture. Carry one another's burdens. Yeah. All right, now, you're going to go home and you're going to consider ways, because obviously God's got a different recipe for you than for everybody else, because you're unique. So go home and consider ways to encourage the people that you know that are lagging or straggling or just flagging a little bit, just need a little bit of energy to get over December. 
I know you're here. Many guys here just need a little bit of energy to get over December. That's called grace. Okay? Well, we're here to receive grace at the throne of grace. Come to the right place. The Father is here. We're going to be refreshed in His presence. So I'm going to ask you just where you are to close your eyes. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray for truth today to be revealed in our hearts. I pray, Lord Jesus, that if there's any deception in any of us, that maybe one of us or two of us are, are flagging a little bit because it's the end of the year and we need energy, we need enthusiasm, God in us, in theos, we need you inside of us. Would you pour out grace upon grace because we need your empowerment right now. For those, Father, who are truly feeling as if they're trapped in lies and in victim mentality, I pray right now that you would shatter that yoke, that you would smash those chains right now by the authority of the name of Jesus. For those who are in a lie that they're not good enough, thank you that to all who received him, to all who received him, to all who have believed in his name, he has given the right and the authority to be called sons of God. Thank you that we are sons of God and not victims. We're not victims of sin. We're not victims of shame. We're not victims of our conscience because your word says our conscience is sprinkled with blood. Our bodies washed with pure water. You accept us as we are right now, not because of us, but because of Jesus who paid the full price. We're at your throne right now, Lord, receiving the grace that we need. Thank you, Father. Now I pray release strategy in every single one of us to be an effective disciple maker. Release strategy that we may find ways to encourage one another and to spur one another on to win the prize. Lord, we don't want to be the horse that also ran. We want to be the one that, that won. Help us to be good jockeys. In Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the ultimate sacrifice. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.